shared with the text out of Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, 8 through 20. My message tonight for the uh, Christmas service is the search of the shepherds. The search of the shepherds. And the reason that I picked that is I have always pondered in my head, and it's just something that I sort of always want to work on and think through and on all the rest of it, is why shepherds were the first to hear of Jesus' birth. Now, a lot of people say, well, but the wise men, nah, uh go look at your gospel. Okay, the night of his birth, the only ones that showed up were the shepherds. Now, the Magi would have been under the teachings of Daniel in the Babylon captivity. I give you that. You know how Daniel was. He always kept quiet. And he would have shared that Messiah is coming. And they would have been seeking. And if you look at it, the Persians at that time were the kingmakers. Whoever they aligned with would be king. But if you go and look at the context of the four Gospels, you'll find that it was many, many, many days after the birth of Christ that they showed up in Jerusalem first and then over to Bethlehem. But the first people who were notified that God incarnate was born on earth besides mom and dad were the shepherds. I have been to Bethlehem, wonderful place. And I look at these shepherds and I say, these shepherds, no doubt in my mind, were watching over one flock. Anybody want to guess who they were? Who owned the flock? The temple. You can look from Bethlehem and see the temple mound. And you had to have a sheep, a lamb slaughtered in the morning without blemish, and a lamb slaughtered at night without blemish. And you only had to do that 365 days a year. That's what you call job security. These shepherds, there's no doubt in my mind, were tending the temple sheep. Okay, But these shepherds would be looked at the same way that you and I look at agricultural people today. We have a term where I grew up at. I don't know if they still use it anymore. Hayseeds. I come from a farming community. Uh, My grandparents were farmers. My great-grandparents were farmers. My dad left the farm and went into manufacturing. But that's what they did. When I think about God revealing himself to the first group of people, he took the hayseeds and said, look, God incarnate. So I've been alliterating this for years. Why these shepherds? One, the shepherds ascertained Two, the shepherds accepted. And three, the shepherds announced. Why pick these men? Well, 
If I'm right and they are tending the temple flock, then they understand the urgency of an unblemished lamb. Correct? One every morning, one every night, every day of the year. One every morning, one every night. They understood it. But they had a dedication to make sure I want mine to be the unblemished. I want mine. And you know what I think? I think God looked down from heaven and said, you know what? I have a whole bunch of charlatans down here. I have a bunch of egotisticals down here. I have a whole bunch of professionals down here. I have a whole bunch of religious people down here. But I only have one group that I would say are dedicated. And that was the shepherds. He also revealed to them because of their occupation. What did they do? They were familiar with this. They understood what was going on. They understand it every morning. And every evening, sunrise, sunset, a lamb was to be slaughtered. They understood the supply of the perfect offering. How precious to think of it from this perspective. That these men, these shepherds, were first to hear of the Lamb of God. Who would take away the sins of the world. He may have also selected these men. Because of their expectation. After the angelic announcement. What was their conclusion? Let us go to Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass. Which the Lord has made known to us. These shepherds were seeking someone. They were longing for someone. And they were not disappointed. The shepherds ascertained the facts concerning the Christ. Look at verse 15. When the angels has gone away from them unto the heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem. They understood the significance of what had happened. They understood the significance Of this angelic announcement. Now listen. This is key. Let us go to Bethlehem. There's only one reason. That a shepherd stays with his flock. When they're lambing. When they're lambing. Because they can put them into a pen. But when they're lambing. He wants to stand around. And make sure there is no complications. And that is a prime time. For predators to attack the flock. And yet they said no. Let's go. Let's go. And you know what? There was this blaze of glory. It would have overwhelmed them and it would have done the same thing with me. Fear. Fear. Great. Do not be afraid. Well, I'd have been afraid. The glory of heaven all of a sudden lights up with the announcement that the Christ has been born. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Yeah, I'd have been real afraid. I'd have been running over the hills and dales like squealing like a little girl. I don't want no part of this. 
I bring you good news. Great joy. Great tidings. Peace with men. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. This news was so astonishing and so overwhelming. The shepherds had no other option but to go ascertain the facts. Is this real? Is this real? Let me show you two things quickly. They seriously ascertained the facts. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this that has come to pass. In verse 15. At this point, nothing else really mattered. Now, now, you got to get a hold of this. This is hayseeds. These guys hang out with sheep. And they said, I need to drop everything right now and see if this is real. Even caring for the sheep was secondary. That was their jobs. They must go at once and see this thing which the Lord had made known to them. The shepherds, I hate to say this, condemn each and every one of us this day. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that God has not shown you things that you need to look at. And your response is, in a moment. In a moment. They must go at once to see this thing. Nearly 2,000 years have passed since this event. Yet we have failed to ascertain the facts concerning Christ Jesus. And we all stand guilty this day. Okay. Christmas comes year after year, and we ignore the significance of this holy occasion. The fact that God invaded human history. The fact that Jesus Christ died so man might live. The fact that salvation from sin depends on the acceptance and receiving of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and King. And we fail to engage in serious investigation. You have heard it all today. Listen to the news. Let's put an atheist bulletin board thing up in Times Square. Rock my universe. Duck dynasty. Really? You're telling me that's the theological problem of the day? Come on, guys. Step up to the plate. We're looking at God incarnate being born to a virgin. Because if he's born to a man, he is sinful and is in need of a redeemer. That seems a little more important than 
quoting scriptures on the outcome of those who practice homosexuality, adultery, and a few other odds and ends we seem to be disturbed about. Really? What is Christmas? I read an article today that two little boys were walking into a store and were looking at Christmas cards. One kid held up a card and it had a picture of baby Jesus in a manger with his mommy and three wise men and a donkey and a few other critters. And the comment on the card was, Christ is born. And the little boy looked at his mother and says, why are we bringing religion into Christmas? Really? The Hayseeds had a better view of it. They were speedy to ascertain this thing. If you look in verse 16, he says, They came in a hurry. See, to them, the matter was of urgency. How many people today are going to go to a church service or a mass service or prepare for their Christmas, whatever they is, service, or whatever it is they're going to do, and there's nothing of urgency in it, the shepherds were willing to leave their jobs. They did not want to delay. They wanted to investigate the facts that had been announced by the angels. There was an urgency concerning God's way of salvation. And you know, there are people who say today, well, if an angel comes up and tells me I need to pay attention, I'm going to listen. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because if you won't listen to a prophet of the Lord, you won't listen to an angel. Because they're both messengers of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, the Apostle Paul blending these together says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Listen, why are we careless and casual with this? I did my Christmas shopping early this year. I did mine on Monday. And, and I was among humanity and I watched the people. It was awesome. Why are you this angry about spending your money? And it was everybody. Why are you so impatient to spend it? I've never seen anything like it. They've got things on their phones now. I didn't even know you could do this. You can do your phone and you swipe the things and you get coupons at the counter. And I'm sitting there watching this lady trying to find her coupons. And this other lady who's behind her is about to whoop her. Because she's taken so long. And I'm sitting there going. And all I could think of, and this, this, this is my warped thinking. There's a Christmas song that I know by John Lennon. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? And that's kind of what I thought. I was like, so this is Christmas. And people say, well, why don't you get excited about it? I'm excited about it every day of the year. We are told to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in Matthew 6.33. And you know what happens? All the other matters of daily concerns of us will find their proper place. It's amazing, isn't it? 
Come with all seriousness and speed to the cradle of Christ the Lord Jesus. Because that is the answer to man's basic needs. But second point is that they accepted the findings that were set before them. Verse 16. So they came in a hurry. They found their way to Mary, Joseph, and the baby as he lay in a manger. They found Mary. They found a virgin with child. At the time of birth of Jesus Christ, she had not known a man. The Holy Spirit had come upon her. Chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel, verse 35 says, The angel answered to her, saying, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. The natural process of birth had brought Christ to the point of delivery. Nine months later. The miracle of supernatural conception had preserved this infant from the heredity of sin. He was supernatural. He was sinless in his birth. And when the shepherds looked into Mary's face and they heard this story, they worshipped because the miracle of the birth of Christ was before them. Without the virgin birth, as I said, there is no Savior. Without the virgin birth, He will carry sin. Without the virgin birth, He is in need of a Savior. Without the virgin birth, He is no longer our Redeemer. Without the virgin birth, He is not sinless. But thanks be to God, He is born of a virgin. So they found the miracle. They accepted the findings, they found a miracle. They accepted the findings, they find a message. Verse 16 says they found Joseph. The witness of Joseph centered on the message of the Savior's birth. What would Joseph have told him? Well, he's not really my kid. I have not known my wife yet. He was already told, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that is conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will save his people from sin. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, 20, 21. Shepherds heard these words from Joseph's lips. A Savior born to set men and women free from sin. In fact, Joseph witnessed and confirmed the angelic message that they had already heard in the hills of Bethlehem. Listen, we're at Christmas time. We love Christmas music. We love Christmas carols. Okay, don't we? And we turn the lights on. Let's drive around the neighborhood and look at all the lights. Whatever you think about Christmas time, the thought of the saviorhood of Christ should be preeminent. Christ did not come to the world to teach. Christ did not come to the world to reform it. Christ did not come to the world to heal. Christ did not come to the world to even raise the dead. 
Christ came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15 And that is a trustworthy statement. But they also found the majesty. They found a babe. A babe in 2.16. The witness of the babe is the majesty of the Savior's birth. Only God can do this. Man aspires to be godly. God brings forth godly. Man, there's some think that they are God. God became man to prove he was God. Look at the words again. It says, a babe wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. When I look at that, I see it as the majesty of his identity. Wrapped in a cloth, in a manger. He's human and God. Wrapped in cloth is the majesty of his simplicity. Very simple. Here I am. A lowly manger is the majesty of his humility. Man never takes humility. God embraces it and embodies it. This should make us want to worship. This should make us want to adore. Whether you do or not is irrelevant. But I will tell you this. The shepherds did. They knelt by the manger and accepted the findings And they believed and they didn't say, this is a cute story. You know how I know that they did? My third point, the shepherds announced it. They wouldn't shut up. You ever thought about this? Who were the first Ones to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you ever think about that? Well, it was the disciples. Was it? Not according to this. It was the shepherds. It was the shepherds. Verse 17. When they had seen this. They made known the statement which was brought to them about this child. You know what that is, right? (laughs) They pronounced it. The angel has come and we have seen the child. We have seen the mother. We have heard the father. They made it widely known. If you go back to the study of the language in there and the narrative, it literally means let us... Now go to Bethlehem and see this thing has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds had accepted this heavenly announcement. And it was special in their hearts and they weren't going to be quiet. Because in 2.15 it says, let us investigate this word which the Lord has made known to us. The Bible reminds us 
In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. You know what is amazing about that verse? There's no plan B. How do you grow in your faith? I sleep on my Bible. No, it's by hearing. What did you hear? The Word of God. They received it as they knelt before his cradle and the evidence of the person was authentic in their faith because they, the, the, the evidence of someone with authentic faith is they won't shut up. People, this is, let me give you a good illustration of this. People ask me, do I believe that the church will go through the tribulation? And I look at him and say, I'm not. Well, how do you know you're not? I ain't shutting up. <laughs> and during the tribulation, they'll kill you for it. So I'll go up to the Antichrist door and go, guess who? Because I ain't shutting up. Someone who is saved won't be quiet. They publicly announced their face. When they had seen them, they announced it. I read a commentator on these. These men at the bottom of the social scale of Israel were chosen to be the first preachers of the newborn king. As William Barclay. Amen. They spread the news. They went to Bethlehem. They went to Jerusalem. They went to all the parts of the earth. And 2,000 years later, guess what? We find ourselves reading just bits and pieces of their report. The evidence of a person who has truly encountered the Son of God, whose soul has been invaded by Christ our Savior, he is willing and unashamed to declare his faith to anyone and everyone all of the time. There is such a characteristic of the early Christians, and it's no less generation that all who know their whole world will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be our passion. That should delineate us between every other person. And that's amazing. But they praisefully announced, and I want you to think about this in a little bit. Because 2.20 says, The shepherds went back glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. There's no apologetics here. There's no pessimism in their testimony. They glorified and they praised God. The spirit of praisefulness is one that distinguishes the marks of the early Christians. And I'm not sure what has happened to it now. 
If, if you look at Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47, you see that daily with one accord at the temple, breaking bread from house to house, eating their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people as a result. And the Lord added to the church daily. See, the early church was contagious. It was infectious. There was a joy, a, a glory that everybody says, why are they like that? I've been through Russia. Everybody in Russia is mad. They, nobody in Russia smiles. Never seen anything like it. And, you know, I used to think my first few trips there, I kept thinking, you know, this, in the winter, the sun comes up about 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. It goes down about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It never really gets high in the sky. It just sort of goes, and you're like, well, gee. And you're up to your armpits in snow, and it's cold and wet. And, yeah, I'd be mad, too. But I noticed something. And I could even go like into the city of Moscow. Moscow has 35 million people. One city. And you can walk around in the streets, the sidewalks of Moscow or the subways or the bus lines in Moscow. And every once in a while, you'll see somebody smiling. And I can go over to him and I smile at him and say, Christos. And they smile and say, Da, Christos. And the only ones in Moscow that are smiling are Christians. I look around America today and Christians are the grumpiest, grouchiest people I ever run into. I'm a Christian and I want you to believe, say this prayer. And I mean it. Yay. Sign me up, Bubba. I mean, I've run into Christians that I pray whatever they have isn't contagious. You guys know what I'm talking about. You've seen them. The foreheads are all wrinkled up. And they're like they're this. Say this prayer. Wait a minute. That ain't what this is. This isn't praiseworthy. People are are unimpressed because the message of Christmas is the gospel of great joy, and I don't see it. Oh, I'm having so much fun, I can't wait for my credit card bill to come next month. Merry Christmas. I watched this guy yesterday, and it was like someone had a gun at his back saying, if you don't say Merry Christmas, I'm shooting you. So he'd go, Merry Christmas. You're like, gee, glad you're so enthralled by it. In the early church, what was going on there among those people was so contagious and infectious about their faith. People could not resist the reality and the radiance of which they spoke of their Lord and their Savior, Jesus Christ. That's one of our missing issues. Verse 10 says that it was with great joy with all the people in the book of Acts. And you know what? If you look at that, the joy of your salvation is the single most contagious thing you can ever have. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that... My joy may remain in you 
and that your joy may be full. So, the announcement of our faith, people say, why do you have altar calls? And I don't have them a lot. Why? I want to see the public joy. I want to see the public praise. So the announcement of our faith should be public. There are no stealthy Christians. I would like to see our faith be praiseful. Let me conclude this. You know what? When I read this, this is a wonderful historical event. But I have to ask us all a question. Do we follow the search of the shepherds? Have we made sure to ascertain the facts? How many wise men were there? Ascertain the facts, people. We don't know. Most people believe that the wise men were at the manger. Ascertain the facts, people. They weren't there. Most people believe the manger is this little wooden box thing. Ascertain the facts, people. It's made of limestone. Okay? Ascertain the facts. You better look it up. Do we accept the findings? Most people believe that December 25th was when he was born. Well, the shepherds were with the sheep. That means that they were lambing. Does anybody know when sheep lamb? In the spring. But how do you have a Black Friday... If you have it in the spring. If you've ascertained the facts. And you've come to accept the findings. Then there's only one thing left to do. Announce the faith. See only when he becomes a personal savior and lord. Can you or I turn to the world outside and make known abroad the things concerning this holy child? That he is none other than God's son, the savior of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So I challenge you all as you leave tonight. You go home to your whatever it is, your Christmas Eve Traditions may be. Have you ascertained it? Have you accepted it and have you announced it? It's that simple. What child is this? (laughs) God's only son. Who came to save the world from sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Luke. Thank you for the good news, the gospel. Thank you for that the world, even at this time, is looking to a manger. And yet, Father, I pray that we shake off the secularism and understand the Savior. 
that we shake off the temporal and grasp the eternal. And Father, that as we go home tonight to our families and loved ones, we bow before a holy God and say thank you in worship, in spirit, and in truth. To your glory and praise, in Christ's name, amen.